Welcome to the Writer at Work podcast. I'm your host, Kit Boyer, and not with me today is your other host, Miss Catherine M.H. Because April is Poetry Month and I'm the poetry expert here at Writer at Work podcast, I will be hosting all of these by myself. Today we're going to be going over the poem One Fire Quenched with Another by Jeremy Michael Clark. I'm going to start off by reading it, then I'll get into the context and what it means. Finally, we'll wrap up with what we can learn from it and how to apply that to our own writing. One Fire Quenched with Another by Jeremy Michael Clark. One, pained as he was when he gazed upon his father's face, he held his gaze. Two, toward what he'd never known he walked, somehow both arrogant and begging, the purple of his father's robes like a bruise. Three, as a river over time can forge a way through stone so absence bore through him, leaving a valley where his voice echoes off the canyon walls. Four, his mind had narrowed until all it held was an idea of father, until so fixed on this idea, his mind seemed under siege. Inside him hummed a longing, one he felt compelled to fix, so named it flaw. Five, what the boy wanted, to finally know his father's face. Evidence at last of his origin. Six, felt within a longing, felt and therefore knew a weakness he wanted to master. Seven, a desire to know and a belief he deserved to. These were the human parts of him. Eight, fiery, dawn-steed, scorcher, blaze, the horses the father owned, the horses the father, knowing he would fail, let his son steer. Nine, is this devotion. Ten, to master, control, rein in, hoping this might prove him a man, perhaps a god. Eleven, there are gaps knowing cannot fill. Twelve, what boy has not dreamt himself a noble son, has not prematurely thought himself a man? Thirteen, he lost control of the reins, and the horses did what one expects from animals whose lives had always been tightly squeezed between two fists. Fourteen, breaking from the path they'd always known. Fifteen, they galloped nearer to that world from which they'd been kept. Sixteen, not out of malice but a kind of mercy. Seventeen, for the world the father feared the horses would destroy. Eighteen, finding himself at the mercy of what he'd sought. Nineteen, gone too far to turn back, gone far beyond his father now, with further still to go, ignorant of the names of the horses behind whom he was now dragged like the tail of a comet hurtling toward earth as in all directions. He sees the destruction he'd caused, the flames licking trees at their roots, licking dry the ocean's mouth, licking the faces of each living thing until they'd turned to ash. Until the world without grew hotter than the world within, until a dizzying heat rose from the soil, until in his feet, twenty, the boy could feel the world ablaze, twenty-one. Free me from these reins, he cried, perhaps to God, perhaps to Father. Twenty-two, the difference indecipherable, more or less insignificant, twenty-three, for even though he'd met him, the boy still knew himself, twenty-four, fatherless, godless, no less abandoned than he'd been. Twenty-five, the world to which, for better or worse, he once belonged, now gone. Twenty-six, he belonged nowhere. Twenty-seven, to save what could be saved, to salvage what had not been lost, to punish his failure to master what no other ever had, the boy, twenty-eight, was struck dead and buried. Twenty-nine, beside a river which began again to flow toward the distant mouth, thirty, out of which it would finally empty. Jeremy Michael Clark read this poem for the Poem A Day podcast. 
In the About This Poem section, he says that he took the title from a translation of Ovid's Metamorphoses, specifically the story of Phaethon, the son of Clymene and Helios. The original myth is that Phaethon was a proud son of Helios, but had never met him and was made to doubt his true heritage. He asked his mother if he really was the son of Helios, and his mother sent him to ask the god for himself. Helios confirmed his parentage and promised him any one favor in all the world. Phaethon asked to drive Helios' chariot of the sun, which was hitched to horses made of fire. But Helios knew it was folly, that only he could control the horses and lead the sun across the sky. Phaethon persisted, though, and Helios let him take his chariot out. Sure enough, the boy couldn't direct the wild horses, so they began dragging the sun and him toward the earth, burning it, and killing all in their path. To save the world and to punish the hubris of the boy, Zeus struck the chariot out of the sky and Helios gathered back his horses. Phaethon's body fell to the earth and was buried by a newly flowing river, which had been steamed away by the heat of the sun. Clark recontextualizes this story in his poem. He said that it's about meeting his father for the first time in his twenties. He says, This poem is about the pain of finally finding what one has been looking for, and how finding it can't solve the pain of having been without it. Now let's talk about what we can learn from this poem. We can learn to recontextualize. Recontextualization means giving new meaning to something by putting it in a different context, giving it new background, or emphasizing different aspects of it than the original. Recontextualization has been incredibly important in fostering societal change and growth. Because it lets us see from another perspective, it has uniquely been able to strike our empathy and allow us to put ourselves in the shoes of others. What may seem fine and harmless to one person or group can be understood as harmful or deadly when realized from another point of view. I think recontextualization is really at the heart of the effectiveness of movements like BLM and civil rights. It is the tool that lets us see the disgusting behavior of people in power as destructive to the lives and careers of children and others in the hashtag MeToo movement. Recontextualization allows us to see that social safety nets are necessary for our most vulnerable and that victim blaming is not an effective tactic in dealing with poverty. When we go from discussing the problem of too many homeless people on the street bringing property values down to the problem of gentrification exacerbating the housing affordability crisis, we have recontextualized the problem. Using this tool, you can reveal a more universal meaningfulness in your memoir, or you can use a bigger universal truth to access something much more personal in your story. You can write a story from one perspective, then choose another character to write from. You can take an old story or myth and add personal meaning to it, like Clark has done here, comparing himself to Phaethon and his father to the burning, unreachable Helios. This could be an ekphrastic technique, borrowing inspiration from other art, or it could be something you do to your own work, explaining things from a different angle. So, there's another tool to add to your writing toolkit. I hope you'll find ways to recontextualize, that you look back on ways you already have done this, and that you consider what meanings you may have overlooked in your work. Think about what you're saying from someone else's perspective. Does it still get your meaning across? Ask others to read your work and see what they think. I hope you found this episode useful. Thank you for supporting us. If you'd like to donate, we are on Patreon. You can find Writer at Work Podcast on social using the handle at Writer at Work Pod. You can find us on our website, writeratworkpodcast.com, and you can listen to us on YouTube or any podcasting software you like. Good luck out there and stay safe.